following teaching is from the Warrior's Heart Bible Study for Men. You can find us on the web at warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day. There's a couple celebrating their 30th anniversary. They were each 60 years old. Family and friends gathered at the home to help them celebrate. Everyone loved her. She was a delight. Somehow when you conversed with her, she could make you smile and feel better about the day. No one liked him. He was a grouch. He was cynical. He was sarcastic. He was absolutely mean. So people came in and they greeted her as fast and as long as they possibly could. And by obligation, they went to greet him. He would always say almost the same thing. Ah, you don't mean that. You just came here for the free food. Now go get some. And people were just a little bit annoyed by him, but they loved her so much. They enjoyed that day of celebration when the house was filled with people. Suddenly there was a bright light and a flash of smoke came. And everyone stopped their conversation and looked up and a fairy had appeared. And the fairy announced that she was there to give to the couple a wonderful gift. And that was one wish for each of them. And everyone applauded, and everyone was so excited. The guy sat there with his arms crossed, with a scowl on his face. Oh, brother, he said. And the wife was all excited and giddy, and the fairy said, Well, women first. So she said, What would you like? I'll give you any, grant you your wish, whatever it is, uh, you can have it. And she said, Oh, this is so exciting. All right, I would like to wish for two round-the-world cruise tickets. And everyone thought that was fantastic, so romantic after so many years being married together. And the fairy said, okay, wonderful. And she waved her magic wand, and two tickets appeared in the woman's hand for two round-the-world cruise uh, trips. Everyone applauded. And the fairy went over to the grouchy old man who's still sitting there with his arms crossed and his face scowling. Everyone was wondering what in the world he was going to say that would be so mean. And he kind of snickered, and he says, okay, I get my wish. And the fairy says, yes, I'll give you your wish. He says, and I wish I'll take that cruise with a woman who's 30 years younger than me. And everyone went, boo, hiss, ah, bad. He's laughing at himself, and everyone's booing and hissing. And and the fairy just waved her hand. He says, oh, I make a promise, and I keep it. So she waved her magic wand, and poof, the man turned 90. I don't know if you are here and you've ever thought much about guys who try to think that they're strong and courageous because they can intimidate and dominate people. I mean, guys, we don't do that, do we? Do we think strength is really converted and translated into the idea that if we intimidate people and people are afraid of us, that proves that we're strong? Last night I was going home and the traffic was awful and I was talking to my wife over Bluetooth and right right in the middle of this heavy traffic, this car cut in front of me, cut me off. Right in the middle of all this busyness. And I just, I just lost it. I told my wife what was happening. I said, this little car cut me off. I can't believe it. So I, I'm going to drive up right behind her. I got a truck. I drive up right behind her in this little tiny foreign car. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to intimidate her. And she says, Bruce, don't do it. And I said, ah, oh, shoot. I was just studying that for today. Strength is not about intimidating people because we guys, sometimes we get very confused. We react quickly, and it's really not the way God wants us to behave. Be strong and courageous. It's amazing to me. I was on the Internet, and I decided to 
do a little searching. I just put strong and courageous into the Google search, and I look for some pictures. And these are some of the pictures that showed up. Strong and courageous. And I suppose every one of us, when we were little, as guys, we had the dream that we would be somehow one of the superheroes. But when we got a little more sophisticated in our thinking, maybe strong and courageous does something like this. My, my son climbs rocks. I don't understand, but he's just very athletic. He didn't get it from me. I asked my wife, did he get this from you? She said, no, so it must be something self-generated. Amazing to watch him. It's like, he's like Spider-Man on a rock wall. And, of course, uh, this one came up, and I'm sure all of us can relate to this strong and courageous. You could just see it in his eyes, not just in his physical skill and his uh, skills in martial arts, but just in his eyes. There's something inside that allows itself to manifest itself with strength and courage. Of course, there's always a symbol of the lion, this one with an absolutely outstanding mane, the courage that this particular beast will have, even when squaring off with the most dangerous of all animals on the face of the earth, and that's the human being who has a powerful rifle in his hands. Somebody could be strong and courageous because they are just very adventuresome. Somehow they could stand where most people would never dare without any kind of fear. And one last picture that came up on the search for uh, strong and courageous just cracked me up, and I just decided I had to put it up here. Sometimes circumstances and things that we face are overwhelming. And whether or not we think we can overcome or not is really not up to us. But the decision is what in the world God wants to do with us. A man who has God with him, that's the person who is genuinely strong and courageous. God's presence in his life, God with that individual man, he knows strength. He knows courage. I'd like to demonstrate that to you through this amazing passage of Scripture that we're going to be looking at today, just a few short verses. And I'd like for us to follow along as I read these. And you will notice that I highlighted in red the phrase that appears three times. So when God says something one time, it's very important because God's a great, great uh, economist when it comes to words. He doesn't waste words. So if God doesn't waste words, but then he says something two times, the emphasis of God demonstrating something that's important and repeating it, we ought to pay attention to it. But then if God says the same thing three times, then we know it's very, very, very critical. And this is what God says in his word in Joshua 1, verses 6 through 9. Be strong and courageous. That's going to be our theme for this morning. Because you will... Uh, lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give to them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? And for the third time, he says, be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. 
And we look at a passage of Scripture like that, for the vast majority of us, you might be facing a huge project today or dealing with personnel issues, being overwhelmed with challenges, but how in the world can we put our arms around a passage of Scripture like this and grasp the meaning? Sure, there are, are wonderful phrases that have followed many Christians over the generations, but we want to be able to handle it all within context. So if we were to look at a passage of Scripture like this, we can see that God has organized it, that there are three very important features in the passage of Scripture. And each one of those features is going to answer a question. And here are the three questions that dominate this particular passage of Scripture. So the next time you read this passage of Scripture, you can remember these questions in relationship to the three challenges of being strong and courageous. And it gives deep understanding. And once we have deep understanding, the application of the passage is absolutely outstanding. Here, the first thing that God does when he says, be strong and courageous, he answers the question, why should I? If Joshua were there and God says, Joshua, I want you to be strong and courageous, Joshua could very easily have said, God, why do I need to do that? And then God answers that after the first challenge. This is why, Joshua, you need to be strong and courageous. Then God says again, I want you to be strong and very courageous. And Joshua might say then at that particular point, well, how can I do that? How? How do I do that, God, in my life? And then God explains that there after that second challenge. And then the third challenge, God says, be strong and courageous. And Joshua might then say, well, what does that mean? How does that look like in my routine of my life? When I go through all the responsibilities I have, God, how does being strong and courageous, how does that visit my life? And then that's what God does after that third challenge. Well, let's look at each one of those that God gives in this particular passage of Scripture. Because God tells Joshua, I want you to become now strong and courageous because you will need this in the days to come to do what I want you to do for me and for the people that will follow you. This is why being strong and courageous is important to Joshua. These three reasons wrapped up into a single thought. Become strong and courageous now. Go into training. Be ready. Because tomorrow is coming, and your responsibilities require you to have this strength and this courage that I'm speaking about. And it's not just for you, Joshua. It's for the lives of the people who follow you. Now, gentlemen, this is one of the passages of Scripture that ought to be in our spirit, because this is what God is doing to implant this thought and idea in the life of Joshua. God wants Joshua to be thinking that tomorrow, when I lead the lives of people, I need to have this mental position where I will not give up, I will not be overcome by circumstances, but strength and courage will be my marching orders. It is an amazing phenomenon as Joshua goes through this and as we think through this idea, I need to be this now because when I get in front of the lives of people, God wants me to impact and influence them in a way in which he has planned. So if you can think for just a moment of the lives of the people that are going to be in your circumference of influence today, for the rest of the week, maybe for the rest of the year. God wants us to impact those lives, influence those lives, not because of something we generate on our own, but because of a strength 
and courage that we have in what God has promised and in his presence in our life. If there's anything, we want people to see God in us. And that's going to be what's going to influence the lives of these people. So here's that question that's answered when Joshua gets that first charge, be strong and courageous. Why in the world should I, God? Why should I do this command that you have given to me? And that's what these words are all about in the first part of Joshua chapter 1 and verse 6. So in that amazing scripture, God gives to us these whole ideas. You need to be strong and courageous because of this reason. You will lead. You will show the people the path that they should follow. You will become the example. You will become the influence in their life. You will take my place visibly before the lives of these people. If you are here today and you're married, and then your wife follows your leadership, if you're here today and you're single, the lives of your friends and colleagues follow your example. When we influence the lives of other people because we are just simply present with them, we need to live a life that these people say, that is a life worth following. I want to mimic and copy what that person is putting on display for me. So the scripture goes on and on through this whole process, and it's an amazing phenomenon for Joshua. It was for the nation of Israel, two and a half million people. He was going to lead them. He was their appointed leader. God wanted the Israelites to look at the life of Joshua and say, we are entering into a land filled with giants, fortified cities, overwhelming circumstances. How in the world are we going to get through all this? God said he's given us the land. He's going to give it through our leader that we see as close and tight with God. That's how God works. He always asks. Throughout the pages of Scripture, God works the life of a leader for other people to follow. And each one of us being influential in the lives of people, sometimes great in number, sometimes small in number, but just because there's someone or a group of people that are watching how we live, that influence and impact is our responsibility given to us by God, not assumed because we took it, but given to us by God for the purpose of advancing the lives of followers closer to him in what eternity is all about. That is a huge responsibility. For most of us, we'd be happy if we had our fishing rod and our Labrador retriever and could be by ourselves. Satisfaction levels for men is very, very small. But when we come to life as it really is, we must engage the lives of people and influence the lives of people that God has given to us to impact for eternity. The second part here in this passage of Scripture is probably one of the most amazing that people all know about this passage in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 through 8. And the Scripture gives to us a threefold development of this particular concept in verses 7 through 8. If you were to answer the question here that uh, God has given to Joshua, be strong and very courageous, uh, Joshua is obviously asking, well, how in the world do I do that? If you want me, God, to be strong and courageous, how do I make that happen? In these two verses here, in verses 7 and 8, God answers that question by simply saying, one word, Joshua, remember this. It is word obedience. And that obedience is closely related to my word that I've given to you. Obey my word and things will go really well with you. And you will be strong and courageous. So we could read it this way, beginning in verse 7. Be strong and very courageous. How? 
by being careful to obey all the law my my servant Moses gave you, the scriptures, the Bible. Do not turn from the... Do not turn from it to the right or to the left. There is a precision with our regard to the following of the Word of God. Not general, not close enough, not just so that we're somewhere in the ballpark. We've got to be as precise with regard to the Word of God as possible. Uh, it's amazing to me. I was just chatting, I forget, with one of our guys here who's a, who's a financial controller at his office, and I was kind of chuckling. I said, I, I guess you're a numbers guy. He says, yeah, I'm a numbers guy. I said to him, I'm not a numbers guy. And I, I can always tell because uh, when I deal with numbers and balancing things, my my initial reaction is always, oh, that's good enough. Financial advisor guys, boy, and those controllers and those accountants and those actuaries, good enough never, ever crosses their lips. Precision down to the final penny. It, it's the only way that they can sleep at night. You notice that that kind of precision is here. Do not turn from the right. Do not turn to the left. Stick right with the precision of the Word of God. Now, gentlemen, if that's what God wants us to do, that means we got to be in this book and know it. If we don't know the Word of God very well, it's very easy to generalize our Christian faith in the theology that governs the values of our life. For those who are hungry to be strong and courageous, to be strong and very courageous, How in the world do we do that means we've got to know the Word of God with an amazing kind of precision. The Scripture also says to this, if we do this with this kind of precision, you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let the book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you will be careful to do everything written in it. Now, one of the big problems we always have with English literature is that we read something like this in the English language and we make assumptions based upon definitions of words. So when the Scripture tells us meditate on a day and a night, as so many of us as Christians always revert back to the Eastern mystical concept of meditation, where you empty yourself, and whatever comes in after you empty yourself then is what controls you. That's not what the Scripture is talking about. The Hebrew concept and the Old Testament concept of meditate has two parts to it. One of them is focus on God. It's not empty yourself, but focus on God. That is, set aside all the other distractions. And the second part after focus is the relevance of what God says for me to do. His directive. Not just open myself to whatever. But it's focus on God and the directives divinely given to me. What does that turn us back to again? It's not just what I imagine, not what I might feel, but again, it goes back to the Word of God. And for all of us who've been studying the Word of God and reading the Word of God as a regular routine in our life, isn't it amazing when God gives to us a Word that we are reading that morning that has absolute relevance to whatever we are being challenged with in the lives of people and circumstances that very day. That's how sovereign God is, and that's how present he is in our life if we are going to do the scriptures by being strong and courageous. One of the other things about this passage of scripture that's absolutely beautiful but oftentimes misunderstood and a huge debate today is when he says here in the last part of verse 8, Then, if we do this, being careful to do everything that's written in it, then you will be prosperous 
and successful. So there's a theology that's very popular, not just in this country, but around the world called prosperity theology. And that is, if you follow and obey God, you will be financially successful. And if you speak those words that are going to be an enhancement to your career, God will bless you financially. Man, that, that is the biggest bunch of hooey that I've ever heard. That is not what the Bible says here, and it certainly doesn't make sense with regard to the entire counsel of God. If you look at the life of one of the richest men ever who lived on the face of the earth that's recorded in the Bible, his name was Job. And Job was closest to God when God took everything away. Not only his wealth, but also his family. Not just his wealth and family, but also his personal health. And it wasn't until he was right with God, close to God, intimate with God, that God decided to heap on him great wealth and success in this world. Now, that doesn't match up with what prosperity theology says. But boy, that's great for the pastor who preaches it, because one of the other things that they always slip in is, if you think that God really is saying this to all of us, make sure you're giving to this church so that my salary can be really boosted, and I can drive that car you've always wanted to drive, and I can dress the way you've always wanted to dress. And if you're kind of slipping up every once in a while and success isn't coming your way, just look at me because I will represent for you what you believe God says about this prosperity theology. Man, that's a gig that I thought sometimes maybe I should have gone that direction. But it's not biblical. It's all humanistic. It is all a sham for the benefit of those who lead organizations where that kind of theology dominates. I've not mentioned any names. But you can tell that my ire gets up when people take the word of God and misrepresent it for selfish gain. Because the person who's glorified is not the almighty that we believe in. And people are being misled huge ways. What God does say here, which is just amazing, is that God will give us success and we will prosper. But the word prosper here is used around several hundred times in the Old Testament. And most of the time it's not related to money. Prosperity is the productivity in the deep sense of satisfaction that God is present in our life and he's making us useful for the kingdom. We need to shift our idea that prosperity isn't automatically linked with money. It is not financial. It is a deep sense of satisfaction that we are a part of God's plan for eternity. Now, if I could look at my life and say, no matter what happens in my life, that there is going to be productivity and it's going to be a deep sense of satisfaction for me. And that's what success is all about. And that's what prosperity is all about. Powerful. That that's something that I want to pursue. That's what God means when he says, this is what I want you to do, to be very strong and courageous. Because this is how he wants us to live our lives. This is how he wants us to do it, through a life of obedience to the word of God. And God promises deep satisfaction and that we are going to be a part of moving eternity for him and being participants in it. So we can ask ourselves the last question because if we ask, if we answer those uh, two, two questions first, why in the world uh, would I want to do this and how in the world does it happen? We might be asking the question, well, what does that look like, God, in my life? 
in the routine as I leave uh, Warrior's Heart today. If Joshua were leaving that particular moment and then looking at the, the lives of two and a half million people as they're going to try to cross the River Jordan during flood season, what does that look like? And we think about being strong and courageous. Strength is that fortitude where we will not give ground. Courage is the elimination of fear that causes us to be less in our performance than if we were at the top of our game. That's what being strong and courageous is all about. So when we look at the scripture here in the last part, what does this mean when we think about being strong and courageous in our routine? The scriptures tell us terrified is not something that we will allow to overcome our life. Fear, it's present. We will feel it. We will see it. Sometimes it will be there germinating in our life, but we will not allow it to grow to the point of being terrified so that we are constricted with our performance as obedient servants of Almighty God. Certainly, we will not let courage be removed and discouragement placed in. We know what it's like to be discouraged, don't we, guys? But since we've known that in our past, we will not let it become present in our life. If we're going to be strong and courageous, we will not let discouragement take over our life. And this is how it happens. Because terror and discouragement means God has been replaced. Notice here that one of the strong statements that God makes to Joshua is, you can be strong and courageous because I, the Lord, your God, will be with you. The presence of God in our life is our security for strength and courage. In our English Bibles, one of the things that they've done very nicely for us is they use different words for the name of God, and one of the ones here is the word Lord, and you will notice in your English Bibles, the vast majority of times the word Lord, if it is all capital letters, it is the word for the name of God, Jehovah or Yahweh. And that name of God is a name where God says, when I make a promise... You could take it to the bank that I will always keep it. The name Jehovah or Yahweh, from a very practical standpoint, God says, I'm the God who makes promises and keeps every single one of them. So that's the name Yahweh or Jehovah. And that's what God says here. For the Lord your God, the Lord Jehovah, the God who makes promises and keeps them. Your God, notice that this is another name for God, capital G, little O, little D. Elohim, the most common name for God, refers to the God who creates out of nothing. That's from the book of Genesis in chapter 1. The God who creates out of nothing. When we see no solutions and no possibilities, Elohim, the God who creates out of nothing, he's the God who's going to be present in our life. And if the God who can create out of nothing promises us something, and he always keeps all of his promises, what an incredible combination of having that God present in our life. Now, the presence of God isn't just a meditation. It's not that Eastern mysticism stuff. It's because we've spent time in the Word of God, and God has given to us something in his Word that we take in that day knowing that he's sovereign. He's going to control the circumstances where that Word is going to be pertinent for my life. And you do that every single day, day after day, before you know it, weeks and months. Then months turn into years, years turn into decades. God's faithfulness to each one of us, if we obey his word, that's how we will learn to be strong and very courageous no matter what comes our way. 
Now, when you go around your table talk today, these are the things that we want you to speak about. These are the, the issues that are on your on your discussion sheet. What in the world does strong and courageous mean? Speak it out to the guys. Write it down. We know that when guys say something about what they have learned and write something down about what they will do, the chances of their performance afterwards increases exponentially. If all we do is listen, which is really good, and all we do beyond listening is understand, that's very good. But the chances of performance being influenced is lessened, but we can enhance that. That's why table talk is such a huge part of Warrior's Heart. We want to teach you the Word of God, but give you a chance to reflect and concentrate on how in the world this truth from God's Word, not from a speaker, not from a teacher, but from God's Word, can make a difference in your life. So we think about all these ideas. Why do you need to be strong and courageous? How do you plan on doing it this week? What does it mean to your routine activities if you're going to be strong and courageous as God has spoken it to you from his word this morning? Thank you for joining us on this week's podcast. We hope you can join us in person. We meet Thursday mornings at 6.30 a.m. in the Fellowship Center of Houston's First Baptist Church. For more details and to register, you can visit us on the web at warriorsheart.org. That's warriorsheart.org. We hope you have a great day.